Welcome to the Unfair Podcast. Hello and welcome to the OMFIF podcast. I'm Taylor Pierce, Senior Economist at OMFIF. Here with me today is Dr. Max Costelli, Head of Strategy at Sovereign Institutions at UBS Asset Management. We'll be discussing the investment outlook for central bank reserves managers and the challenges they're facing in the current macro environment. Welcome, Max. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Taylor. Once again, it's a pleasure to be with you. So central bank reserve managers this year have maybe never had such a difficult time. They're navigating an increasingly difficult economic and macro environment amid high inflation, weakening global growth, and financial stability concerns. In addition, geopolitical considerations like tensions between the U.S. and China are adding to the uncertainty over the future of the global monetary system. And at the same time, many reserve managers are facing increasing pressure to incorporate sustainability into their investment practices. So given all these factors, I'll come now to you, Max. What are reserve managers most concerned about this year? And how does this differ to what we saw last year? Thank you for the question, which is actually, this is the first question of the survey that we carry out before the conference in the months, basically during April and May. And we always ask one question, which are, what are the major concerns impacting the, the global economy? And this year, there was no doubt that further escalation in uh, geopolitical conflict. So, of course, uh, Russia, Ukraine, but also U.S.-China confrontation definitely dominate, uh, is the top concern for the reserve manager, nearly 80% mentioned this as their top concern. And then, uh, of course, this is followed by the question of inflation, the persistent inflation, and of course, the implication in terms of interest rates. And the third one is actually the possibility or the probability of a recession materializing, particularly in the US. These were the three top concerns. If I compare to last year, I believe that the recession probably last year was considered uh, more as a low probability type of event. The, the, of course, the focus was more on geopolitics once again and on inflation, but the debate definitely is very much about whether the U.S. economy can escape a recession or not, given, of course, the tightening in interest rate that we have experienced over the last 12 months. In terms of the concern on the level of reserve, which is a little bit more related to the investment side, the top one is actually the asset price volatility across market. And I believe this is not just about equity, which of course is a volatile asset class by definition, but is also the volatility in fixed income market, where of course there is still a lot of uncertainty in terms of interest rate outlook. And I also want to mention liquidity in global market was mentioned as the third concern, which is something that we also debated at length at the conference. And it's something that is still very much in the mindset of reserve manager, which as you know, there are large investors in government bond market, and many of the liquidity issues that we discuss actually relate to the largest bond market in the world, which is the U.S. Treasury market. Right. We'll come to asset classes and allocation in just a second, but to continue on the macro environment, when you asked survey respondents in your survey which economic regime is most likely to materialize over the next five years, the vast majority seem to anticipate a soft landing with a return to moderate growth and moderate inflation. What is your expectation of inflation and growth over the medium term? And do you think that this view is too optimistic? Definitely, this is the view of the majority of the respondents to the survey. In fact, about 65% 
mentioned soft landing, which is basically a return to moderate growth and moderate inflation of around 2-3% as the most likely economic regime over the next five years. I found this result quite remarkable. Because, as you know, there is a debate going on whether the world economy, the global economy, can manage a soft lending or not. At the conference, we had several contrasting opinions, and I basically I can divide the view of our economies and strategies in two camps. One camp is basically assuming that given the historical records of the previous interest rate hiking cycle, and also based on some data more high-frequency data which are coming out of the U.S., they expect a recession to materialize in the second half of 2023 or early 2024. On the other end, there is another camp, which is actually the one of UBS asset management, where we are a little bit more, uh, I would say, positive in the sense that we see soft landing as a, a, a concrete possibility going forward. And this is based on different factors. First of all, is the fact that without unemployment rising significantly, it is very difficult to see a recession materializing. As well, there are other important drivers. For instance, we are seeing important investment in the sustainability sector. Also, defense investment could be a sort of an inflationary impulse, which will allow the U.S. economy and other economies in the advanced world to escape the recession scenario. My personal view, I am I, I work in terms of scenario. I think the reality is that we don't know whether there will be a recession or not. I would put the odds at 50-50 here. I still, I still see a, a high probability of a recession in the U.S. The question will be more what type of recession I believe uh, eventually we will have, because I think a technical recession would not be anything dramatic. The question is if we are going to have a, a more solid recession with, for instance, unemployment rate rising substantially, for instance, followed also by market correction. That's something which is still very much debated, but that's definitely something which is in the mindset of not only research manager, but I would say any investor who is currently looking at the economic and financial outlook. Maybe one final point, which I think is also very important to keep in mind, the recession event scenario or the softish landing will also be determined by what happened in China. As you know, in the past, China always played a very important role in previous periods of uncertainty to pull the global economy out of a recession or, or a slow growth situation. There was a very lively debate about whether China can manage once again something like that. The view was that China definitely is going, the, the recovery in China is, uh, let's say, below expectation. And the view was that after the reopening, it would happen exactly what happened in advanced economies with a big jump. This sort of very strong growth did not materialize, probably due to what's going on in the real estate sector. So all eyes are on whether the China authority will eventually start loosening again fiscal and monetary policy to provide some further impetus to the economy. But expectations are not very high on that. So probably the, the consensus which emerged from our debate is that China will not provide that push that has been provided in previous occasions of a slow growth or a recession risk. Right. And given all of these various factors, I'd like to come now to asset allocation and investment strategies. How is this difficult macro environment affecting reserve managers' investment strategies? And what are some of the key trends in asset allocation which you observe in the survey this year? Yeah, I mean, first of all, probably it's important to remind our listener about what happened in 2022. 2022 was a difficult year 
for reserve manager because for the first time in a very in a very long time actually they experienced a negative return on the overall portfolio of reserve that they manage. This was largely due to the fact that both fixed income and equity went down, what we call sometimes in the jargon the positive stock bond correlation. So it was one of these years where diversification did not help very much, as has been the case in previous episodes, for instance, of weak equity market. So reserve manager come from a bad year, I would say, overall, at least from a historical perspective. And in fact, they've been very busy. I mean, when we ask about whether you made any change to the strategic asset allocation, more than half of the respondents to the survey mentioned that they made some adjustment to adapt their asset allocation to the current environment. But in terms of trends, it's definitely when we ask about which asset classes are at the moment, they are more likely to hold in the future, we definitely, the fixed income is dominant, particularly very liquid, short duration government bonds. They are the asset class of choice at the moment, which I think makes absolutely sense from an investment perspective. Reserve managers, you know, they have a capital protection as an as an investment objective, and given the current level of yields, they are able to protect their capital by investing in short government bonds, something which was not possible before COVID, simply because of the very low or negative yield environment. We are also seeing some interest for long government bonds which actually they are perceived as a good deflation edge in case, for instance, that the recession scenario will materialize. And this is something which I also noticed, particularly in the last few months from the conversation I'm having with central banks, that they're looking at whether to extend the duration. And that's the sort of strategic choice that they are considering at the moment. We also see quite some interest for over inflation edge, for instance, tips or inflation-linked bonds, they are of interest. We saw an interest and a solid demand for green bonds as well, which I'm sure we will touch upon the question of sustainability later in the podcast. But as well, I also we also noticed that there is a strong view that a passive type of investment approach, particularly to fixed income, is not satisfactory because, of course, of the dynamics in the fixed income market and the volatility in the fixed income market, there is a growing demand for more flexible fixed income investment strategy, which basically allow you to take advantage of the movement across market and across asset classes within fixed income. Last point about equity, we saw some softening of demand in terms of equity, which I think makes sense given the fact that in risk-adjusted return, fixed income is more attractive. But interestingly enough, we have not seen a major reversal of the diversification towards equity, which I think is something very important to keep in mind, because this means that reserve managers have become less procyclical compared to the past, when normally episode of market volatility, where normally the pushes reserve manager to de-risk their portfolio. This time around, we have not seen that. And I think they basically consider 2002 probably as the exception to the rule in terms of the benefits of diversification. And we think that actually this diversification will actually continue going forward. That's interesting. So this is something else that we see in Confis survey of global public investors as well. The subdued demand for equities this year and much more interest in fixed income. Do you think that this is indicative that the decade or decades long drive toward diversification is over? 
I always consider the trends diversification among research managers not as a sort of a tactical type of move or something that you do in the short term to adapt your portfolio to the current market environment, but rather a long-term strategy. And I think this will not go away. Very interesting, actually, during the conference, when we had some leading central banks, research managers presenting their view, we also had some cases where research managers are prepared to increase their exposure to listed equity going forward. And as well, some central banks, which have not yet moved into equity, they are prepared to make that move. As I said, this is a long-term trend, which has been going, I would say, almost for two decades now. And nowadays, basically, research managers are more similar to other institutional investors, like, for instance, pension funds or insurance funds. They see that over the long term, there are benefits in terms of diversification, despite the fact, as I said, that 2022 was not satisfactory from that point of view. So my personal view is that definitely fixed income at the moment is dominant in terms of attractiveness. But this has not uh, prevented central banks from continuing on their diversification trends. So I think these trends will continue, but of course it will adapt to the condition in the market, which uh, in this case are particularly linked to the level of interest rate and the higher expected return in fixed income. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And another factor which is potentially different in the short term and the long term is currency allocation. So we see a slow trend toward currency diversification and specifically diversification away from the US dollar um, and somewhat toward the Chinese renminbi. What did you find from your survey? What is the outlook for currency holdings and how has this changed, if at all, from previous years? So let's remove immediately the elephant in the room because in the media there is an ongoing debate about the move away from the dollar and the US dollar will lose its dominant position. We are not seeing anything like that at all. In the sense that what we are seeing is the continuation of this uh, reduction in the U.S. dollar share in global reserve. So we see a continuation of the trend, first of all, which, as I said, doesn't mean that the dollar is going to lose anytime soon its dominant position. So that's very important to keep in mind. But I say that we also hear from particularly emerging markets, there is a clear desire to reduce their exposure to the U.S. dollar. And this is probably the reflection of different dynamics. I would say a geopolitical one uh, definitely is one, the so-called weaponization of FX reserve, the sanction imposed on the Central Bank of Russia has created demand among reserve managers in terms of uh, what, how can I best diversify my risk going forward. And I think this will probably be there for, for quite a while. On the other hand, we still uh, see demand for US dollar uh, strong in terms of asset allocation. And we should not forget that the US dollar, in particular the US Treasury market, offered a higher expected return in terms of fixed income given the level of yields. With regards to the RMB, I think we saw a, a little softening of demand for RMB. In particular, for instance, when we ask about the long-term asset allocation to RMB, when we ask what is your target over the current decade, it actually came down a little bit from something like 5.8 to 5.2%. We see also when we ask about whether you are the percentage of reserve managers who are invested or considering investing in the RMB, the percentage went down from the all-time high that we experienced last year, but just a little bit. I would say that definitely there are concerns which are of two types. One is, of course, a concern about the, the China economy, 
the recovery has been weaker than uh, expected, as we said. We saw also some weakening of the RMB. So definitely there is a little bit of concern about the outlook for the Chinese economy. And the second one is definitely about geopolitical confrontation. If uh, when we ask about what would be the most likely consequence of a further escalation in the US-China confrontation, the majority of respondents mentioned very clear that there would be more currency diversification and an acceleration eventually towards this sort of multipolar currency system. I think what instead is new that came out from, from the survey is that in case of further geopolitical tension between the US and China, the euro could be a currency which would benefit. This is something that is new. In the sense that already last year, when the interest rates start rising in the euro area, so that the negative yield disappeared, the euro received definitely some support. But now was mentioned as one of the currencies that actually could benefit from a further escalation in the confrontation between US and China. This is very interesting. Actually, it also makes sense from a certain point of view. And also is in line, I have to say, with what I hear from policymakers in the eurozone. They are not anymore shy of increasing the international use of the euro. And that's something which I think we will see more in the future. And I think it also fits this sort of a geopolitical fragmentation type of environment we are in, where having more countries using your currency in some way supported the idea of having more close trade and financial links with the neighboring countries. So I think probably the euro will, con- will start rising a little bit its share in the foreign exchange reserve. Last thing to mention is that we continue to see also desire for secondary currency, as we call it. For instance, the Canadian dollar, Australian dollar, but we also uh, we hear about, for instance, uh, interest about the Indian rupee, which is relatively new. So definitely we continue to see this gradual shift to a multipolar currency system, but this is no way the loss of the US dollar is the dominant currency, but is, a, as I said, a continuation of a long-term trend that we've been observing already for a few years now. Yeah. Right. So it sounds like the dollar will remain dominant, but perhaps there will be some yeah, margins. I, think, more yeah, I would say it's reasonable to expect the dollar to continue sliding at towards the 50 percent of the total. But uh, still, still, we should 50%. not forget <laughs> that it's still the largest currency still used very much for for trading. I know there is a lot of attention, for instance, on the use of the RMB for cross-border transaction, particularly linked to the situation in Russia. But we, we should not forget that still the U.S. dollar is the dominant currency. It just that its dominance maybe will be a little bit smaller than what it used to be in the past. Right, right. Just shifting gears a little bit, I'd like to come to ESG investment and particularly sustainable assets. Have you witnessed any notable shifts in ESG investment or intention this year in your survey? I think there are two elements here. First of all, I already mentioned the fact that there is a strong demand for green bonds, which is particularly about corporate bonds, which is something that we already saw for a few years now, but definitely we see demand is still solid. Probably there is not enough green bonds at the moment for reserve manager. We also, there was an interesting debate about some reserve managers are also to look at sovereign bonds from a sustainability perspective, which is something which is all new. I know that OMFIF has been looking at this as well. I think we are really at the beginning, but I think in the future we'll hear more about that. We are continuing to see the transit towards the shift away from traditional benchmark to ESG benchmark in the equity space and in the corporate bond market for those central banks which invest in these two asset classes. 
So I would say that the sustainability trend is still there. It's also very interesting that when we ask about during the conference, we ask the participants, do you think the central banks should put the sustainability as a sort of a fore objective in their mandate? Actually, the majority, a good, sorry, a good percentage said yes. So central banks still see themselves as playing a role in this space. And of course, it is also translating to, for instance, the demand for green bonds and the switch away from traditional benchmark towards ESG benchmark. On the other hand, it's also true that central banks at the moment are very much focused on inflation. And when we ask, for instance, some of our speakers who are actually some ex-governor, they think that, yes, central banks might do something about sustainability, but we should not forget about the primary mandate, which is price stability. So I think probably the fact that central banks are at the moment entirely focused on fighting inflation probably has put sustainability, I would say, a little bit outside the radar screen for the moment. The second element which emerged from the debate is that, of course, we are seeing what's happening in the U.S., in terms of sustainability. And we ask this question, do you think that given what's happening in the US, I mean, the political debate surrounding sustainability, as you know, Republican and Democrats have a very different view about that. And actually, there is a softening of demand for ESG funds, for instance, in the US market. And secondly, as well, the regulatory change which are occurring in Europe, we ask them, do you see a slowdown in the sustainability trends, not necessarily only for central banks, but in general, the, the answer was no, we actually see this slowdown only in the US, but globally these trends will continue. And I think that's definitely the case of Europe. So I think sustainability is probably going through, and here I really make reference to some comments made by our sustainability team, is going to a period that I would call of maturation, where the regulatory, the regulatory upgrade that we are seeing in Europe will probably clear the air of for a lot of stuff and I, we actually see this as positive over the long term in the sense it will be clearer what is sustainable what is green and what is not but we do not see substantial slowdown in the sustainability trend at the moment great thanks before i finish the podcast i want to just ask if you had any other interesting findings or trends from the survey which you'd like to share that we haven't touched on yeah, maybe on, on the geopolitics, uh, because as I mentioned, this was the top concern among the research manager in the sense that we are, of course, seeing what's happening in terms of fragmentation. We are seeing the slowdown in globalization. We had a very strong debate about whether we are deglobalizing or not. And actually, the answer is not really straightforward because there is a lot of talking about deglobalization. But when you look at the data, Still, there is not such a, a very strong evidence of, of a deglobalization, at least of a reversal of what we've seen before, what we've seen over the last two decades. We are definitely seeing a slowdown in that process. But central banks, actually, when we ask them, are you doing something about this geopolitical concern? They actually, the majority answer no. And they might take away, which is probably also valid not only for a third manager, but for investor alike, is that there is a sort of a wait and see attitude towards geopolitics in the sense that they see the, the possibility of having further escalation and an acceleration in the fragmentation. I don't think they have made up their mind yet about how this will evolve. So that's definitely something that will be with us for quite a while because uh, my takeaway from the conference is that we enter a sort of a transition period 
in the global economy from a political and economic and financial point of view, we are in the middle of this transition, which is likely to be pretty long, but definitely there are implications long-term and it will be very interesting in the next survey over the next few years to see whether this wait and see approach will eventually shift towards a do something for research manager and for investor alike. And this do something of course concerns the way you invest the currency where you invest and the countries where you invest, and as well the type of financial architecture that central banks eventually will uh, will push for. I also included the old debate about CDBC into that uh, into that picture. So definitely a very interesting time for uh, for all of us, and uh, we we need to go through this transition before we start to see the sign of a new order emerging in the global financial architecture, of which of course reserve managers are one of the main actors. Right. So it sounds like deglobalization for now is mostly rhetoric, but we'll have to wait and see and watch how it materializes in the coming years. I think that's a fair assessment. Absolutely. Great. Well, thank you so much, Max. It's been a pleasure. And thank you as well to our listeners. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever podcasts are available. Thank Thank you. you very much. And it was a pleasure. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you for listening to the OnFifth podcast. 